You're listening to audio from the Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about the village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. My name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, when I was when I was 16 years old, uh, between kind of summer stuff, I worked at this place that, as I look back, it was it was not the best. It was it was a factory, <clears throat> super low pay, in the in the middle of summer, and um, and I remember 16 uh, year old me kind of processing that and, and what it was like and learning just like the ways of, of, of work and all that stuff. And um, for me, that was just one step in a, a long plan of what was to follow in my life. That wasn't the end for me. But there were uh, a, few, a few people there that just cared for me a ton. And there were two women in particular. Um, one was named Carrie and one was named Chung Mi. Um, she wasn't from Kentucky. Um, she, th- they were both Korean. And... Um, and they just kind of like, they just cared for me. Like, I don't know what, it, what, what they saw in like 16-year-old, you know, foolish me, all right? But, but they just cared for me. And then at the end of the summer, when it was like time to go back to school or whatever, they gave me this gift. And it was a piece of cardboard cut from a box, all right? So all that I did all summer was basically open up boxes and, and dump stuff in places and, and I had to wear a hairnet and certain times and gloves and all this stuff. So they gave me like a piece of cardboard, and, and on that cardboard was stapled a, a glove and a hairnet. Um, and they told me, uh, it, was, it was just a sweet gesture of, of um, what they said was like, like, never come back here. And, and there was some writing that I, I, couldn't, I couldn't make out, and it was in another language. Um, and I said, what is that? And she said, well, like... We're here, but, but you're just passing through. And so basically that says, like, just passing through. And, and that was, like, that was special to me. They were reminding me of, of my future hope um, by showing me where I had been. And their encouragement was, like, I, I better never see you here again. Um, and, and so we knew that that was a term of endearment, I think, um, and not the, the way that could have gone the other way. But to the extent that I remembered where I'd been, and, and even through difficult years that would follow, um, and, and through difficult places that I was going, that did empower me a ton. Right? I had it in my room for a long time, and it just showed me, like, gosh, I, I'm not there. I'm, I'm going somewhere else. And the reality is when uh, we all are, are just passing through, and we just forget that. We, we treat this life like it's the end. And this life, hear me, this life is not the end. Like, whatever you do with, with your time on this earth, that's not the end. But believe me, how you view the end and what we do in the meantime, it impacts our forever. The reality is, sometimes it's hard to keep in mind the future that is ours in Christ. And all of the promises that we see in this book, and, and all that we sing about and all we get, we get to live in light of. And, and yet we are challenged today. And Paul's just kind of uh, simple yet uh, illustrative and, and maybe somewhat confusing words. We get to see him tell us to keep things in perspective. And, and, and the trap of living out our eternity with, with all of our chips in, in 80 or 90 or 100 years in this broken and groaning world, in this broken and groaning body. So, so in essence, he tells us, because this is not our eternal home, 
We can live to please the Lord today with hopeful longing for all that is to come. All right? Because this is not our eternal home. That's what we have to keep in mind. We can live to please the Lord today with hopeful longing for all that is to come. And there are three things that, that I want to pull out of this that I think that, that Paul's conveying to the Corinthians that helps us set that, helps us build that perspective, which enables us to, to do just that. We get to be mindful of these three things, uh, of our future hope, of, of finished work, and, and those things impact our present aim. So we're in 2 Corinthians, and we've been trekking along for four chapters now. We're in chapter 5, and, um, and, and the first thing we're looking at is future hope. All right, And so the perspective that he's trying to give us in this text, and I'll read in, in just a, a second, is remember what is to come. Like, remember what's on the horizon. It's like, like, are we there yet thing? And, and all those things, but, but at the end of the day, we have in mind something that, that we're going to, some place that we're trying to get. And what's ahead, it shapes the journey all along the way. Um, and there are two ways that we miss, like, big time. In, in the way that the Bible tells us what our future hope is, and where that meets us today. And, and just real simple, the one is, is we expect... It's fulfillment today. We expect that, that whatever God promises, our future hope is that that's us today. And that's not true. I used to have a pastor, and he, he would say all the time, like, like, this isn't heaven. This is not the new heavens and the new earth. So when you think that it is, and you claim all of these promises that are true in the Scriptures, and you apply them to your life here and now, today, then what we're drawn to is, is prosperity theology. That everything should go our way. And that because we're His, that, that we get all of the stuff that this world has to offer. And all of the comfort. And all of the things. And that's, that's just not true. The second thing is, is we forget the future altogether. And we live as, this, as if this is the only thing. And both of those things are damaging. So Paul helps us see future hope. In, in full by smearing these two analogies together. And I want to preface by just explaining a little bit what he's talking about. He's talking about our bodies, our, our present bodies. Like, you know, like, everybody can do this, right? Everybody has one of these today, I think. Right? And if not, then don't tell me. I don't want to know, okay? So, so he's, he talks about our bodies. And, and then he talks about uh, our living situations, and he's basically saying our bodies are like our living situations. And, and he talks about tents, and he talks about houses, so suddenly he's, uh, he's in real estate, all right? And, and what he's doing is, uh, in his context, maybe you don't know this, Paul, he, he wrote a ton of the New Testament. He, he planted a ton of churches uh, in, in the New Testament after Jesus uh, impacted his life in a great way. Um. He was a tent maker. He made tents. And so this would make sense. It would be like me using an analogy of, of a basement today, like because we're in a basement or, or anything like that. And so, so he uses tents. But, but more than that, the Corinthians would understand this because they were a port city, all right? They, so, so sailors would come in and, and temporarily stay in tents. And so he's talking about that. And even more than that, they had these, uh, and I know you guys probably follow the Isthmian games on uh, ESPN 28. You, you don't, all right? But, but at this time, there was something called the Isthmian games. And so it was like the, the isthmus the, uh, of, of where they're at, they would come together. And, and what would happen is people would travel from all over and they would, they would line the streets with tents and they would stay in temporary housing, tents, 
So when he uses this tent analogy to, to talk about our bodies, the idea is that, that it's, it's transient. It's not forever. And then he talks about houses. And, and, and so from a tent to a house, it indicates that it is a, a positive change. Most of us would agree. Um, it's not a lateral, but it's like a, a progression. It, it's moving on up. It's not you're moving from one campground to the next, but you're moving from a campground to like a subdivision. And that's a nice thing, right? Uh, unless you love to camp. Um, so, so amidst the suffering that the Corinthians are enduring and that Paul's been talking about for like chapter after chapter after chapter in, in this, Paul groans for the resurrection. He groans for a body fit for eternity. And, and if you don't understand that groaning, then, then basically what Paul's saying is all the times when we would look at life and we would say that is just not meant to be. Like things should not be that way. Right? And, and whatever it's, as Matt prayed for, a, a shooting you know, in, in, in Dayton or, or anything or the pain that, that you might suffer this week and, and chronic illness or whatever, like that ought not be. And Paul's saying, right, it, it ought not be. And yet, that it is. So he sets before himself and he sets before the Corinthians and, and he sets before us today a future hope which shapes the current perspective. And so I'm going to read the first five verses, and it sounds something like this. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, remember that's our body, we have a building from God, a house, not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed, by putting it on, we may not be found Naked. Now, there's all kinds of crazy stuff here, and, and I'm not getting into all this stuff, but, but I, I, I think what he's getting at and what he continues to get at is, is there's, there's body and there is spirit. And so there's flesh and there's, there's soul. And, and some will go immediately to the Lord. When he returns, like, like we don't enter naked, we enter with a body. And he redeems that body and gives us glorified bodies. Right? But, but some die, and so they go there naked until they're giving the glorified body. And so he's just like kind of interposing all of this stuff. And, and we read on, If indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked, for while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed. And so he's saying, we're burdened in this life. And you might think that you need to shed weight if you're weighted down, but he said that's not it at all. We need new clothes. We need more clothes to make this thing work in eternal life. But that we'd be further clothed so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So he's saying like, uh, like, maybe Paul wouldn't say this, but like a, a spaceman's suit, right? Um, he has to have it to exit the Earth's atmosphere. He can't not have it. And the spaceman doesn't get rid of his body. He adds on a suit that makes him fit for the conditions that he's going to. Or, or years ago, when, uh, last year I preached on 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to turn there in a few minutes. But, but I, I talked about this, this game that my son and I used to play. Um, 
on the Wii, and it was Lego Batman, all right? And then to a level, uh, and, and you're beating up bad guys and whatever, and then like there, there would be like some slime on the ground, and you try and try and try and try, and you cannot get past the slime. Like, you can't do it until you go somewhere else, and then you're like a little Lego guy, and so you make this suit that's like literally like a slime suit. And all you have to do is put that slime suit on, then you can go through the slime. So the whole game is basically like finding the right suit that fits your needs. And then you get to some water, and, and you try, and you try, and you try. And you can't get through because you drown until you find the scuba suit. And you get the scuba suit, and guess what? You can swim wherever you want. And in the same way with, with the wings, and you can, you can transverse chasms that you can't otherwise. And so all that is, is Paul's talking about Lego Batman. That's all he's talking about. And you have to be equipped with the right suit, or you can't move on. And then we see him say this, which is just, the imagery is, is beautiful, so that what is mortal, all the broken stuff that, that we groan in, is swallowed up by life. Thanks, Mark Powers. All that's broken is swallowed up by life. I mean, it's, it's Shark Week, all right? And that means that we watch a bunch of stuff about sharks um, around our house. And there's this huge, he doesn't look like a shark, but he is. But he doesn't look like the shark that you're thinking, right? He looks different. He looks like he has like dentures, you know. He doesn't look like mean and, and all those things. But he's huge. The shark is giant. And he doesn't go around eating sea lions. You know what he does? He just inhales. He just breathes deep. And when he does that, he breathes all kinds of stuff that you can't even see like tiny little uh, sea stuff and, and algae, right? And throughout the day, he eats 150 pounds of algae every single day. Now, what does that have to do with this? <laughs> because when I see that, that, that this mortal life is, is sw- or, or this mortal flesh is swallowed up by life, Man, for me, that imagery, it's swallowed up. It's, it's not like added to, it's, it's just engulfed, all right? And, and this, this life takes us in, and it makes us something different, something better. And so if you feel like the burden of this life is great, you are not alone. It is great, but this life is transient, gone in a moment, one deep breath from a, a fish, a fish maybe called life, right? And, and so what that means is, is we have a better future that awaits us. And maybe it's too simple to say this, but, but we won't live forever in this body on this earth. Well, you all know that. But sometimes we just forget. <laughs> we just forget that, 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 we, that, that, that this isn't it. That this isn't our eternal home. And the context that Paul's coming from is affliction in every way and abandonment from people that, that he loved and, and uh, rejection from the gospel that, that he preached and people who are in and then they abandon him and, and then physical, literally torture and imprisonment. And so all of this comes out of chapter 4 which says, man, everything's against us and yet we prevail. We are, we are, we are pressed down but we're not destroyed so the context is, is we are afflicted in every way, yet we are not destroyed. The context is life is hard, yet this is not the end. And, and you might say, and, and some might say, well, sure, wouldn't that be great if we escaped the mortal? I think like people have been trying to do that 
forever. And there's infinite uh, amount of movies about, about those realities. If we could just be immortal and transverse this broken life. But, but here's where the seed of hope takes root. This is what he tells us. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God. And it is God who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So whatever the journey that awaits us, whatever the future hope is, God is like He designed the suit. And this life is, is Him, Michael, look at me, so that when all this goes away, man, I get to step into future glory prepared by the one who created it. The Spirit as a guarantee. Uh, Sam Storm said, he said it this way, the presence of the Spirit in the life of a Christian now is the down payment, right? That's what Paul says. It's the guarantee that, that we will receive resurrection bodies when Jesus returns. Look, I know, I know that this life is hard. And I know this text, for, for many of you, is timely. I know is when you, you, you look at your own body and you say, gosh, it's, it's withering away. You look at the body of those that you love dearly and you say, gosh, like this ought not be. What Paul's saying is, 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 is you're right, but it's not the end in the spirit, in, in the life of those who trust Jesus to give them eternal life and peace with God, that spirit is the guarantee that we will receive resurrection bodies when Christ returns. Paul says to the Ephesians, he says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. What that means is it's a done deal, but it's not yet. No one can snatch us from the hand of God, and no one can snatch this future glory that awaits us, but it's not yet. We, we can't forget that this battle of endurance is not merely flesh and bone, but Paul reminds us that it's supernatural by the Spirit. The Spirit doesn't only awaken us to new life. It doesn't only illuminate truth as the gospel is proclaimed. It doesn't merely regenerate new life and bring dead things to life, but we are kept by the very presence of God for all who trust in Jesus. This Spirit in us is the guarantee for all who would believe that we might inherit this future hope. That's good news. I wish we were a church that shouted. Right? And I, I got you. I got you. That is, that is freaking good news. Right? And I hope you process like me, like you say things like, that is really good. Or you say things like, man, that's hilarious. And then people say, like, you can just laugh. You don't have to say it's hilarious. And we get to say, Amen. 
because that is good news. Because this is not our eternal home, we can live to please the Lord today with hopeful longing for all that is to come. But to trust in a future hope, we need to look at what has been done in the past. And that means that, that we need to look at the second thing, which is finished work. All right, the, the perspective that this would remind us of is that we have to remember what has been done. This is the assurance of salvation. And some of you say, oh, I'm, I think I'm, you know, uh, if you died today, where would you spend eternal life? I, I mean, I think I would spend it uh, in, in, in the new heavens and new earth with God forever. Uh, but, I mean, I don't, like, and, and I get it, totally understand it. I've asked that question uh, in my Christian walk a bajillion times. Like, how do I know? The, the way that we know is we, we get to look back at what's already been done. It, it's not the work of your hands. It's, it's not what, what is to come. It's what's already been done. All right, so anyone can claim to beat death. Anybody can say, look, I'm the resurrection. But guess what? When I die, if I don't come back to life, I'm not defeating death. I am not the resurrection. And there was one who claimed that, and he demonstrated it, by coming back to life, and guess what? He ain't dead. He died, and he ain't dead. And that, that, is, that is good news. So we see that, that it is the Spirit, this is what Paul tells us, which pays the down payment for our future hope, but we have to, we have to set that in context to be able to rest in the full assurance of what has already been done. Our assurance of future hope of these mortal bodies being swallowed up like that huge shark by life, it hinges on the fact that we have, in fact, seen this before, and we will, in fact, see it again. So what does Christ's resurrection have to do with our hope? I'll, I'll, I'll say one better. What does the resurrection of Jesus have to do with your life? Because I, because I think we forget that. Because I, I think that we forget, and we say, oh, the cross, and, and sin, and, and love, and justice, and we just forget that Jesus isn't dead, all right? And, and the reality is, is that, that changes everything. Why do you believe what you believe, right? If I give you three statements, you know what one of them better be? Because Jesus isn't dead. So, if you don't mind, flip back a few pages, 1 Corinthians 15. And you might say, Michael, this is great. I, like, can you, more, we want more stories, we want more jokes, but can we just read the Bible for a few minutes? Can we do that? I know this might bore some of you, right? I'm okay with that. So, 1 Corinthians 15. Remember, Paul wrote the letter to the Corinthians. The first one he wrote first. And the second one he wrote, third. But there's neither here nor there. So, so, so he says this. Remember, this is the end of the letter that he's already written to these people. So when he writes another letter, he's adding to that what they already know to be true. Because he told them. So 1 Corinthians 15. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which, in which you stand and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first 
importance what I also received. All right? So he's saying, I heard some news, and I believed it true. And I'm giving you the news, and this is what it is. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. And while we're looking back, Paul's already looking back when he said Jesus died for our sins according to uh, what we would call the Old Testament that testifies to the fact that Jesus would indeed die for our sins according to the Scriptures that He was buried. I always skip that part. But what it means, one, it means that He was dead, dead. And two, it means that He took our sins and He, he, he took them away from us. All right? Uh, then he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And then Paul says, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me. Jesus died. He was buried he, he died to take away our sins. He was buried, yet he came back to life, and he showed up, and everybody saw him, right? Then we skip down to verse 16. In this whole chapter, if you're like, gosh, what is the resurrection? This whole chapter is about the resurrection. So we skip down to 16, and this is what he says, For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised... Your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Which is why I said, why do you believe what you believe? You better say because there's this guy and he was a carpenter. And he claimed to be God and he claimed to take away the sins of mankind. But not only the sins of mankind, but my sin if I believe in him. And he died. And he said he was going to come back to life. And guess what? He came back to life. Where was I? Gosh. And if Christ has been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. If Jesus didn't raise from the dead, then, then Paul says, then look around you people, you're pathetic. But he did raise. And so we, we read on. I'll, I'll jump over to verse 42. Because I'm making connections to what we see in, in 2 Corinthians in our focal text. So is it with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised, imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body it is raised a spiritual body. If there, is a, if there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Right? Remember what Paul's talking about in our text today. Right? He's talking about the, the tent and the house and all that. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. He swallowed up what is mortal. By his life. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust 
as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, here it is, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. So we get to look at the entire life of Jesus, and we get to look back at it, and we get to say, that is finished work. And that finished work is the assurance of our future hope. So what's, what's critical for this, what's, what's a critical link in the chain, is, uh, is for this future hope to be our future hope, we have to understand who Jesus is. Right? So, so we just read, at His coming, those who belong to Christ... So all this is true for those who belong to Christ. And, and, and so he says, so it is with those who are of heaven. So do I belong to Christ? Am I of heaven? So the question that you have to answer today is, is do you belong to Christ? And I can't answer it for you. And you might say, uh, well, of course, like, uh, all my neighbors are scumbags, but like, I'm pretty decent. Okay. And you might look around and you'd be like, Michael, I've been going to church longer than you've been alive. I would say, that, that's great. Also not a requirement for eternal life, but that's awesome. So, so ask yourself, young or old, new to the faith, or been doing this for, for 50 years, ask yourself these three, three questions. Do you consider God to be God and yourself to be created by Him and for Him? Do you, do you consider God to be God and yourself to be created by Him and for Him? There's one God and it's not you. Do you know that? The, the second question, are you a sinner in need of grace? Or do you look around and be like, I'm, I'm right. I'm not so bad. <laughs> because we get to come to God but beggars in need of grace. And the third thing is, have you trusted Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins and eternal life with God. Because if you have, then you have a confident hope that you have been rescued from this body of death and that one day you will get to live in a future hope and a future glory with the creator of all of this for his glory and for your joy forever. Da, 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 some other stuff. The third point. We get to remember what we get to, uh, we, we get to remember uh, that we get to please God today, no matter what. So we read verse 10, we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verse 6 through 10 is what I'm going to read. So we are always of good courage. Is that right? <laughs> We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. So he's saying that like Christ is near, the Spirit is in us, and yet this flesh somehow separates current reality from the future hope that we have. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord, so whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim 
to please Him. So he's saying it's, it's better to be just with Jesus today for like, let's just do this. Let's get on with it. And yet here we are. And so, ah, and, and so it is. And so no matter what, no, no matter where I am in this flesh or in eternity, we are at home. So let it be our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And for, for all of you. Who, who build your life on grace, like this, this makes you squirmy. I get it, right? So that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So, so one kind of summarizes this stuff, says when the time comes, we'll, we'll be plenty ready to exchange exile for homecoming. But neither exile nor homecoming is the main thing. Cheerfully pleasing God is the main thing, and that's what we aim to do, no matter what comes our way. So all this culminates, all this body stuff and this tent stuff and, and the, the real estate and the, the body upgrade and the light momentary affliction and the, the, that we're down but not out, all this stuff culminates and in, 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 in we might say, Paul, that's great, so what? Or you might say to me, that's great, Michael, so what? And Paul tells us the so what. He says, so whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. And so I, by way of application, I just ask you, do you make it your aim to please him at home or away, in this body or in spirit, right? on vacation or at work, in the trenches or, or in the, the mountaintop? Is this the way that you build your life because of what's already happened and because of the future hope that awaits that, that we make it our aim to please Him? And, and the spurring encouragement of Paul tells us that, that what we believe controls how we live and how we live matters even those who are established upon the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. How we live matters. And so, uh, well, how do we deal with this kind of last part like that says uh, each one may receive what is due for what he has done? And, and many people kind of differ. Like, what is, what is Paul, what does he actually have in mind? And, and we're not sure, but, but some say it's a measure of reward. That, that for all those who enter in, we get, we get crowns and we get to lay uh, gifts at the feet of Jesus. And maybe in some capacity this is talking about our, our heavenly reward. That, that there will be no sin and no envy and no vying, and yet some will have more than others. Because the only way I see those things are in light of this broken flesh. And some say, well, no, it's, it's a validation of faith, and this is the, the way of James and saying dead faith doesn't save you. And so faith without works is dead. And so, so if you believe, your life will, will validate that in, in, the, in the work of your hands and in the work of your feet and the work of your mind and, and, and all of those things. And either way, what this does for us is it comes as a warning. And again, even those who establish their life on the life and death and, and resurrection of Jesus solely, we can still heed warnings from the Scriptures. We know this, right? So this comes as, as a warning to be sure that, that our talk and our walk are consistent. That, that we know, and I want us to know today, that grace is not cheap. Grace is not 
cheap, and I'll say it even further, grace isn't free. You might say, hold on, you heretic. And I would say it's, it's free to all who wouldn't. Grace is free to all who would trust in the work of Jesus, but it wasn't free for him. And when we claim to be His, and we establish our life on His work, finished work, and we don't consider the future hope, and we go on as we were, waiting till the end, we cheapen His work. We cheapen His life. We cheapen what He has invited us into. We cheapen the fact that, that He has forgiven our sins by taking on our sins. Grace isn't cheap. It's free for us, not for Jesus. But when we embrace the depth of the, of the true gift, it, it compels us towards good works here and now until He comes for His name and, and for our joy. And so we see Peter, right? In, in 1 Peter, he says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. It says you're aliens and exiles. You're just passing through. You're passerbys in this life that seems like it's everything. The writer of Hebrews says, for we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Man, that is good for my soul. So we have everything that we need to live a life pleasing to God. We have future hope just on the horizon. We have the finished work, and so if we consider a, a journey and, and we're going somewhere and, and there's terrain all along the way, and we look ahead and we might, be, we might be drawn to quit and say, why don't I just make this my home? Why don't I just live for all this here and now? That, that might not be so great anyway. And what Paul's saying is, if you find yourself there, just look back at what has been done. And when we look back at what has been done, then it, then it uh, is smelling salt to remind us of the glory of the future hope. <clears throat> this life isn't it. But this life does matter. I go back to the factory when I was 16. And each who weren't just passing through. right? And this has nothing to do with work. You can work wherever you want. I could have worked there all the days of my life and that would have been fine or whatever. It just wasn't what I had planned to do for my life. And so there were people all along the way who saw me going somewhere. I left that place, worked a bunch of other places through, through high school and through college, and, and what I know about those people in that time was their hope was for this life, and the hope in this life was, was five o'clock, and tomorrow their hope was 5 o'clock. Tomorrow their hope was 5 o'clock. 
But, but for me, and again, this isn't me, the analogy that carries it through, that, that I want, went on to work somewhere else and, and I had set my mind, and, and our life was like, ah, we're going to go to college and we're going to be teachers. And so I, I worked at this other place, and there were these two people, and you know what, you know what they called me? They, they called me professor, right? Not because uh, whatever, a prof- I, I don't know what a professor looks like, all right? But, but they called me that because I was always talking about school, and, and I'm going to be a teacher, and so like, uh, making fun of me, but not really. Like, they knew that, like, man, this is, what you're doing is probably better than what we're going to be doing forever. And so they would say, ah, ah, professor, have a good one, professor. And when I left that place, be well, professor. And you know what? Another place that I worked, and this is crazy, you know what somebody called me? There were two guys, you know what they called me? Like, over and over and over again, when they, when they found out that this was, like this right now, that this was my aim, this is my end game right? This is my retirement plan, right? I'm, I'm not moving on somewhere else. They call me preacher, right? And I was not preacher at the time. I was something else. And the reason why I tell you all of that is because all along the way, we get to live with a future hope, and we get to interact with people who don't have that hope. And when, when they say, gosh, like, you're going there? How are you going there? You know what we get to say? We get to look back. And we get to say, because Jesus, He brought me there. Because the Spirit that lives inside of me, He's bringing me there. And He already said it so. So what that does is it shapes our present aim so that we don't just, we just look ahead and wait. That is not the life of Christ. That is not the life that He calls us into to look ahead and wait. It's not the life that He calls us into to look back and wait. Because of what He's done, He invites us to look to future hope, and that changes the way that we live. This life is more than just enduring. It's embracing present reality in light of sure past with hopeful longing ahead. So what we get to do is we get to remember what's been done. We get to remember what is to come. And we get to let those two things give us assurance and hope that invites us to live in such a way that pleases God. And when I consider... What does it look like to please God? Because that's overwhelming. And I think, gosh, what do you have for me right now? End is to worship God and enjoy Him forever. And oh my gosh, how sweet that is. Because all of the things that, that come into my mind throughout the day and all of the distractions and all of the things, I, get to, I just get to worship Him. And, and some say we get to worship God by enjoying Him forever. That changes the way that I live this thing out among you, among my neighbors, when no one... So we get to respond to all this, right? And we get to reflect and pray right where you are. Uh, My wife and I will be back by that red tree. There's another tree over there. There's a prayer bench. You can sit right where you are. You can stand up and and sing. There will be questions on the screen. You can consider. And you get to speak to God. The second thing is is we get to engage in, in this family and this mission. And I invite you, if, if you're here and you're like, uh, man, this is tough, and, and, but I, I, I like it here, but I'm not sure, and uh, I, I want to connect in this community, 
man, it, it, it doesn't take much. Fill out one of these things and let us know, like, I want to connect to a community group because I want to figure out what it looks like to live this life out together. Or you might say, I want to join the mission today. I encourage you to give to the mission. You can uh, put those things in the black mailbox. Do that, and we'll follow up with you. And what we get to do is we get to remember and declare. And we get to do that by taking of this body and this blood, this bread and this cup that reminds us and lets us declare what has been done and the future hope ahead. Would you pray with me?